Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Robbie Motter, and we're, uh, we have a fabulous guest tonight on my Diva Business Strategies for Success monthly radio show. My guest is Dr. Barbara Sonor, a dynamic individual who holds a doctorate in psychology. She has changed so many lives and has written some great books. Her, um, she's written five books to the public and numerous journal articles. She is the, the co-author of Beyond Words, a lexicon of metaphysical thought published in a second edition in 1994, Gifts from the Child Within, second edition 2008, which is a, a culmination of clinical research in the area of post-traumatic stress disorder and adult survivors of childhood abuse incest. Her third book is an inspirational guide for the recovering soul to 2003. In 2009, she co-authored Addiction, What's Really Going On, inside a heroin treatment program with a dear friend and colleague, Deborah McCloskey, and Tales of, of Addiction and Inspiration for Recovery, which she just released, of, which is stories from those who have been or are addicted to drugs and or alcohol. I am just excited to have her. Welcome, Dr. Sonor. How are you? Thank you. I'm right here, and I'm honored to be here, Robbie. Always honored to have you with us. Um, you know, one of the things I noticed, you know, because I'm, I'm um, pretty old, and I remember a lot of the years, but in the 60s, we never heard the, the, the terminology dysfunctional families or codependent behavior. Why was that? And how did we get to where we really faced it? What brought that on? Well, it was certainly there, very evident in the 50s. In fact, my mother was one of the biggest codependent women that there there was, I think. Um, and uh, I explained a little bit in Gifts from the Child Within what codependence is. Um, but briefly, if you're not living your own life, but instead you're living someone else's, then you are codependent. Um, this many times happens when there is a drug or alcoholic in the family and everything is surrounded around that member of the family and uh, the other people in the family become uh, their co's. In other words, uh, they do what the uh, addicted person wants to do or uh, goes where they want to go or, or lives their life, uh, actually. So it's real important, uh, in today that this is recognized as, um, um, something that, that really needs to be looked at within oneself. Um, so how does one do that? I mean, how do they, how do they find out if, you know, in fact, they are codependent or what are there some, some things that they can do to, become strong and become their own person? Well, I think, you know, most people know when they're a yes person, when they say yes to uh, every everybody or even just one particular person. Um, if, you, if you find yourself saying yes and, and you don't say no very often, um, that, that's one indication. Yeah, but aren't some people, are, are, is codependency also, would that be considered, like some people don't say 
yes or no. I mean, no, because they don't like conflict. They prefer to just give in versus having conflict in their eyes. Like, so is that also, would that be considered somebody that is codependent as well? Well, I would think that that would be a form of it. Um, Not taking care of yourself, not living your own life, your own dreams, your own passions. Right. Following the footsteps of somebody else. Um, And that's pretty evident when when you can look at yourself and ask yourself, um, what happened to that dream I had when I was 23 about becoming an author or, uh, you know, or or just even uh, doing a... uh, um, you know, like like having some passion, something else to do for you, and right. not not for somebody else. Um, I've always heard that we have to live our passion and not someone else's passion, and I believe that's true. Yeah. Well, um, how did you get into conflict? What what brought you into it? What put you on that journey? Which it certainly is your passion. So, how did you find that was your passion, and how did you get there? Well. Um, from childhood, it seemed like I I drew kids to me, um, uh, friends, and uh, they would share things with me. And uh, teenage years, um, the same thing happened. And uh, my young adulthood, uh, I went back to college when I was in my 20s. And um, as I was realizing what it was that I wanted to do with my life, um, I, I started taking psychology and, and uh, sociology classes, and and then uh, I was fortunate enough to be hired at the uh, what used to be in Montclair, the um, West End Women's Medical Group, and um, actually was being trained to be a counselor back then in the 70s, and I didn't wow. real, realize it at the time. But um, I was doing counseling uh, while I was still in college. And then when I went to get my master's, of course, I had to decide what it was that I wanted to focus on, and I I chose counseling. So it all just kind of unfolded as things do in our lives. And uh, it did become a passion of mine. I had a private counseling practice in Marin County in the 80s when I lived up here. Um, and then uh, when I moved <clears throat> back to Southern California, I started up another practice in the 90s until I moved back up here uh, in 2004. And uh, so I, 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 I really enjoy hearing other people's stories, and I enjoy uh, watching them um have the ahas when they start talking and they they realize I don't have to tell them you know people realize deep down what's going on everybody kind of knows what's going on with themselves and most people don't want to admit it or they uh, they don't know how to language it perhaps but in counseling one of the biggest things that we can do I think as a counselor is guide that person towards letting them discover uh, about themselves. Um, to me, that's, that's counseling. Telling somebody else about themselves or directing them, you know, to, to do something 
to me isn't counseling. Counseling is helping that person get in touch with their own um, insights and their own creativity and being able to unfold their own life. Yeah, because I think sometimes when you tell somebody, they may say, yeah, I'm going to do it. But if they don't see it and feel it, they probably would not stick with it. Where what you're saying, the way that you work with them, is you help them discover it themselves, and then it makes it easier for them to do whatever it is they must do. Yeah, it's true. I was trained in transpersonal counseling, which is uh, beyond the ego, beyond the self, so that... Um, I, I try to help somebody get in touch with that something more that's beyond them so that they can bring that into their life and, and have their own direction. And um, uh, I'm it's sure very, that, very rewarding. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm sure as you have these breakthroughs with your clients and help them, I bet that is just such a great feeling to know that you touched a life and made a difference. It is. It is. Um, at my book launch party uh, for this last book, Tales of Addiction, in May, um, I was in um, Rancho Cucamonga in the Borders books, and somebody came up to me, and I kind of recognized her, but not really. And she gave me a big hug, and she said, Barbara, you saved my life 20 years ago. And I said, oh, my. And then she told me her name, and I remembered her name, of course. And and she said, those few times that I came to see you made all the difference in my life. And so things like that just, you know, gives me chills. It's just very, very rewarding. Yeah, I think that's great. How did you get the the ideas to write the books, and how did you come up with these fabulous titles and what they contain? <laughs> Um, let's see. Um, Gifts from the Child Within um, is <clears throat> about some of my clients that I worked with in the, the 1990s. And um, I, I developed a um, type of therapy called recreation um, where I could actually use hypnosis or instruct somebody how to use auto-hypnosis and go back into their childhood and um, actually talk and remember things from um, their past. And and then the whole process of, of releasing the emotions to that experience and recreating the experience without getting into detail of exactly what recreation is. Um, so that book... Um, was written after I had been a counselor for seven or eight years, and um, I wanted to share that process with people because it was working so well with my clients. Uh-huh. So I decided to write a book, and I uh, did. <laughs> I bet that has helped so many. I think I could use that book myself. Uh, it's a it's a very good book, and it's uh, in its second edition, uh, going strong. So. When you when you do a second edition, then you update it with new strategies and things that you yeah. There was a little bit of updating in that, making it. Um, oh, for instance, I talked about uh, uh, using cassettes, and of course today it's CDs. So you know right. things like that, and just just doing a little bit of updating. But mostly it's just getting 
uh, another run of books um, from the publisher out there to the public is what a second addiction is. Okay, and then your next book, uh, that covered, uh, was that the one on abuse and incest? Uh, and then I wrote uh, an inspirational guide for the recovering soul, uh-huh. <clears throat> and that book came to me in a flash, and um, it was um, just, I feel, just given to me. I got the idea of writing um, kind of insights and suggestions and exercises and rituals and a little bit of psychic intuitive things that I put in there that would go with uh, quotes by fairly famous uh, leaders and spiritual uh, people. And that's a book that you can open to any page um, several times a day, once a day, once a week, and receive um, some insight into a situation that um, you were holding in your mind. So that's kind of a fun book. I really like that book. Uh, it, um, that's great because if you have something, then you can look at, you know, what are you dealing with, or yeah, you know, yeah, you know, you do it. You can do that with any book. You can open almost any book um, and uh, to any page and read and get some sort of an aha because it will jive with whatever it is <clears throat> that you're thinking about. And so um, this book does it. Uh, uh, um, and then way. after that, you wrote another book. Couldn't tell me about that one. And then the one that came out in uh, 2009 um, is really uh, Deborah McClowski's uh, story. Um, She was a dear friend, a counselor friend, that worked in a methadone clinic towards L.A. And um, we would meet for lunch, and she'd start telling me about some of the clients she was working with, and I was just, you know, awed by (laughs) what she was doing. And... um, I told her to take some notes, you know, write write in a journal or take some notes about some of these things that you're learning and going through and the, the people that you're working with. And so she did, and after a couple of years, she had about uh, 300 pages of typed um, or handwritten notes. And uh, sadly, she passed away in 2006, but... Before she died, she um, gave me all her notes and said, Barbara, just do with what you want to or what you can with this. And uh, I just felt really um, to honor her and her wonderful work. I really wanted to put it into a book form. So I took a year and um, incorporated a lot of her own personal life and her own uh, journey in this book also. And... um, I think it should be a movie, Robbie. If you ever have a chance to read this one, this is Addiction, What's Really Going On. And you know, that might be a good book to get to that Fern, the gal that I told you I recently met, because she is a movie producer as well. The well, one that wrote the book Letters from My Husband, which I told you was a fabulous. Oh, I, I, I see Sandra Bullock playing um, my my friend Deborah in this yeah. book. And, well, uh, we need to get it out. It could even be something on Lifetime. You know, they're really they're wonderful about doing shows for women. But maybe this would be maybe what I should do is connect you with Fern, and you should bring it to her attention because she has she certainly has the the Hollywood connection. Well, that would be wonderful. Um, I I think uh, with Deborah's sense of humor, believe it or not, even though uh, working in a methadone clinic. 
she she had such a wonderful sense of humor and her her and I tried to get that across in the and I just I just I think it would be a great movie. I really Yeah, do. why don't you uh, Google Fern Field Brooks. It's F-E-R-N Field Brooks, and you'll see what she's doing, and let me know if you think that will work, and then I'll give you her private email okay. contact there and make an intro. Um, did each of the books take you an, uh, a year to write, or were some of them faster? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, it's usually, for me, um, a little over a year, yeah, to write a book. Um the last book I wrote, Tales of Addiction and Inspiration for Recovery, that came out in May, um, took me longer, and it's just because um, I had put out a call for addiction stories um, several for several years in order to receive some um, stories from people. So these are uh, real-life stories that I, are in this space. Right, I... I put it on my website whenever I did a lecture, did workshops. I'd pass out uh, flyers, ask anybody uh, that was interested. And I, I wanted to point out that these stories are also from people that have loved ones that are either addicted to uh, drugs or alcohol. Um, um, and they can or cannot possibly be in recovery. So right. Really covers the whole gambit of uh, our addiction situation in America. Yeah, because sometimes the people that are have that in the family suffer a lot while they're you know trying to get help or making the person realize they need help. So they're going through a lot of stuff themselves. Yeah, they so, need, they they really need the support of other people, knowing that uh, they're not alone in in going through this and. Um, would you like me to read a little bit from the introduction? Yeah, I would love that, since that's your latest one. I think that would be good. Okay, I write, Addicted or not, we all have stories to tell. Many recovering drug addicts and alcoholics are asked to write their inventory story while going through rehabilitation programs. These stories are sometimes called drunkologues or drugologues. They try to share only to fumble with words that scratch paper like chalk on a board from years past. Sometimes words come easy, flowing like a river of grit and filth covering the pages black. But they see only words, words mixed with a flavor of a whiskey sour or the last pin drop of vodka settling in an empty bottle next to a slip of dust. Words of truth swirl downward into a spiral dance with unrecognized poetry left for judgment. With no glimmer of hope to stay straight and sober, inventory stories read like buttons on a shirt, repetitious and dry. But given a year or two of sobriety, and these same words can declare emotions of hope, guilt, remorse, and pain, they become the true stories of an addict's life. To begin writing an addiction story is like poking at the nerve of a hangnail. Clipping it may begin a healing, but you refrain because pain dictates your life. Each paragraph brings that pain to the surface to be held in awesome awareness as you realize you have lived the words on the pages. It is often suggested to those early Sobies that it is important to reflect and learn why you chose to use or drink. Alas, such a shallow carrot to dangle. The newly sober have only empty words which spill over onto a blank page, but given six months or six years, these same words flow easily from mind to pen. 
They reach deep for shards of memories to fill their stories full of pitiful choices and past sagas of desperation and depression. Words then become a tool to unfolding the corners of life, revealing potent visions and rhythmic tales. Addicted or not, we all have stories to tell. We tell how our skin crawls at the slightest scent of cigarette smoke or our aversions to kissing a drunk. We tell where our choices took us or how our life was lived without us. Whether stories from addicts or straight-chaired grannies, words keep us searching for truth and, in the end, guide us towards that something more. The stories you will read in this book are not from the well-known. They are not from celebrities you find in books written by another celebrity. You will not find names like Britney Spears, Robert Downey Jr., Martin Sheehan, Lindsay Lohan, Alec Baldwin, or other such people whose faces we see but whose lives we know little. The stories shared here are true grit-bleeding tales told by people you will never meet but whose words will haunt you for months, years maybe. So that's wow. the beginning of the book. That's pretty cool. You know, I often wonder, like, you know, you mentioned it doesn't say anything about the celebrities, but why do you think that they fall into that? Because, I mean, they've got everything. They've got the money. They've got the fame. Why do they do I, I just, I guess I just don't understand that. But I'm not a counselor, so, you know, maybe you can, and I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way. They've got the world at the tail, so why do they do those things? Well, I, I, I don't like to group um, people in, into um, groups of celebrity or wealthy or, or not because uh, I feel that um, people that are drawn to uh, drugs or alcohol or prescription drugs, any, anything illegal, um, have been wounded in their childhood. Now, when I say wounded, I don't mean that that has to be some big major um, incestuous relationship or something. I am saying that kids need to be heard and their emotions need to be felt. And today we're not hearing our kids and we're not allowing our kids to feel their emotions. And um, when kids are in pain or feel wounded, they don't want to feel that pain. And how do you not feel pain? You get you put yourself out of it. You exactly. You take the drugs, you drink the booze, and then you do not feel the pain. Why so, do you think a parent that we don't that we're in an era where we don't want to listen and we don't I mean, is it because we're just we're just so busy trying to survive and, and that many other parents are working, you know, day and night just to get through it? Or what do you think it is? I think that's a big part of it, don't you? Um, well, I was are, sing- you know, I was a single parent with three kids, and I had to work two jobs, but I never really, you know, I was, whatever time I could give to my children, I was there for them, and it was their time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't something I wanted to do, but in order to provide them with a home and everything, I had to do it. Yeah. But I always made sure that they had somebody, you know, somebody was living in to take care of them so their needs were met. And then whenever I was there, they were totally, it was their quality time. 
That's wonderful. That's wonderful that you were able to do that. Um, I, I I think, uh, you know, peer pressure is another thing um, that, that comes into play. But I do believe that uh, if somebody is going to be uh, experimenting, let's say, with drugs and alcohol, uh, more than likely it's because they they tell themselves, why not? Right. You know? And uh, instead of having that knowledge uh, handed down to them about making choices and right. decision-making processes in your own right, you know, for yourself. And um, so there's, there's, you know, there's no one thing. <laughs> no, because there's so many things that some people handle things that have happened to them in a different way than other people. Some people just push it out of their mind and go on with their lives, but then some people dwell on it and try, like, you know, want to escape from it. So, you know, the drugs and alcohol is, uh, to me, probably a way for them to escape. I don't know. I never, as tough as I had it, I never, that was one issue I never, you know, went for. I just wanted to get through life best as yeah. I could. But yeah, not everybody yeah. can do that. So that's true. That's true. Not everybody can. And uh, with uh, the and I always say, unless you walk in somebody's shoes, you can't judge them because you just never know. But it's so wonderful that you have this knowledge and that you can not only be there as a counselor for them, but but be able to write these books to put out to people who can't get to you, who can be anywhere in the world and can read your books and get this great knowledge to be able to use. I think it's wonderful. Well, thank you. And I, I really uh, I feel honored that you said that. And I also want to honor the over 20 people that did send in their stories for this book um, because I, I need to honor their their path. Right. And, um, uh, it's a wonderful book. Uh, in between the stories, I've written um, some of my own philosophy, and um, also my my own son's story is in this book. Oh, and your son was also he had a problem with drugs. Yes, he was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And being and a counselor, then were you able to help him as well? Um, I'm sure that there was some things that I helped him with. Um, it's really hard to counsel your own family. Um, I know. I'm sure it is. It's against that. So, you know, that uh, people don't like to listen to uh, mothers and fathers and sisters. Oh, I know. It's it's interesting, though. But when they get to be about 30, then they say to you, wow, you know, now I know why you, you were, like, you know, strict or this or that because you love <laughs> me. But when they're 17 or 15, it's like you're the Gestapo. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, they do, and then they become mothers. And And they realize it. My one daughter who is a mother, she says, now, mother, I understand totally, you know. So that too. (laughs) So that's always funny. And, um, and you know, my youngest daughter, when she was 36, she said, you know, mother, I thought you were the strictest person in the world, but now I know what everything you did, and I appreciate it. You did this because you loved me and you wanted me to 
grow up and be the person I am today. So that was cool. Yeah, don't you wish that they could get it about 12 years old? <laughs> oh, I tell you, I, I, you know, I actually exchanged daughters when I was. I had a, a, my middle daughter and my friend had a daughter. And it was like if my friend said something to my daughter, it was like the gospel. If I said something to my daughter, it wasn't. And the same yeah. thing with her daughter. So I went to Texas and I took her daughter and she kept my daughter. It was a great, great change. Oh, gee. And we, yeah. Well, my daughter was go- actually going to school in Virginia, so she just came weekends with her. But her daughter went with me to Houston and her daughter still lives there. But it, it was interesting and I think all parents, have, they have, they can switch daughters with a friend. It's a great thing because it worked out beautifully. Yeah. Maybe that has something, uh, to stay there. <laughs> I know, it was great. And she became, you know, this they they we became like second moms to each of us. And uh, my friend died last year, but my daughter remained very close to her for all of her life and I remain close to the other daughter. I'm close to my daughter as well, but I just think I could it was like 2 years and it didn't matter what you said, you weren't right. So it worked out beautifully. Yeah. Um do you have more books that you plan on um doing or do you have other ideas or what well, is your hobby what at my stage of the game now i'm i um i want to try writing a fiction book a novel wow yeah i have not that read. would be a that's something and what will it what will you talk about it um i it's just simmering in my head now so i can't really even voice too much of it um uh-huh. but it's something metaphysical um oh, good and um because I know you're very intuitive. I'm very intuitive as well, and I use it when I meet. It's just like when I told you I met this gal, uh, Fern Field, who is just absolutely fabulous. The minute I met her, I knew I wanted to know more about her, and I wanted to have her be a friend. And and it was interesting because she felt the same way, and we, you know, connected. And she's actually going to be a speaker at one of my networks coming up. Oh, wonderful! But she's just such a real and real person it was interesting when i read her book it was almost like we must have met in past lives because as i told you she wrote it in paris she wrote about episodes that they had had in paris and in uh, new york and toronto well i worked in new york five years i've been to paris and i've been to toronto a couple times so places that she mentioned in the book I was very familiar with. So it was oh, wonderful. Just, yeah, it was pretty cool. And the book is beautiful. It's, I think it's a book that people who have had a loss of a husband or wife would be a fabulous gift to give them because it's just so beautifully done. Mention the name again. It's called Letters to My Husband. Okay. And I gave you her, go to her, it's her, her website is www.fernfieldbrooks.com because I think she could be instrumental and she's won a Grammy. She's been nominated for an Oscar. She was a producer for Norman Lear's television series, Maud, and several others. So she's got the connections to maybe help you, if she liked that, to take it to the right people to do a yeah. movie. Well, it sure can't hurt me contacting her. And yeah, I just tell her Robbie suggested that you two connect. She's really nice. She actually lives in Palm Springs and also lives in Los Angeles, but she's just a... Just one of those hard people that loves touching other people's lives. Oh, don't you know you that type of person? Oh, I love. Those are the only kind I want in my life anymore. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in the what's in it for me people. I'm in as interested in people who care about making a difference with other people. 
Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there's, you know, and it's interesting because once you make that kind of a decision, these people walk into your life. Uh, do you know Paula Fellingham? No. Uh-uh. Paula's, this, and this is another site you might want to look at because you could, um, one of the things that's great, Paula has the WIN. Have you ever heard of the WIN? W-I-N? Oh, yes. Well, you can do free radio shows with Paula. You could become a radio host, a 10-minute segment. So if you recorded 60 minutes, then there are six shows, and they they do the pushing out. But she's also going to be doing, on March 8th, uh, she's doing, as you well maybe know or do not know, March 8th is the 100-year anniversary of International Women's Day. And she's going to be doing events in 10 cities, and San Francisco is one of them. Whoa. So if you go to www.thewinonline.com, you'll be able to see all the information about that. There's also a link there that says become a radio host. With what's your knowledge, I think that would be cool. And like I said, anybody can do a radio show, but then you have to drive the traffic. Here's an opportunity to do one. They drive the traffic. You're a host. And with this International Women's Day that they're going to be doing in 10 cities, that's even going to bring more um more people to the site, and she also does girls' night out events across the country. But she's just, she's another, Paula is another fabulous heart person, and she's really fabulous about families. Mm-hmm. She has, I think she has seven children, and I forget oh how many children. But she's just a beautiful person, and um, I think she would also be interested in hearing about your book, because, uh, you know, she comes in contact with people. Uh, her her personal email is Paula at the win, W-I-N, online.com, and you can let her know that I told you to connect with her. Okay. Another place that you could get some great exposure for your book is my friend Janet Powers, who has Diva Toolbox. At, it's www.divatoolbox.com, and her email is Janet at divatoolbox.com. And there would be, you know, I would let her know because she has places, she has a huge following. Thousands of people come to her site. And uh, do you know um, Sandra Levinson? She has that name Callen, sounds familiar. She has Callan Women. Woman. Oh. She's oh, out, of Houston, out of Houston. She has a, her social website is for women over 40. And it's www.callan, K-A-L-O-N, woman. I believe it's woman with an A, if it, dot com. If it doesn't come up, then it's a woman with an E, but I think it's with an A. And her her uh, email is Sandra Levinton, L-E-V-I-T-I-N, at gmail.com. She's another dyni- dynamite person for you to know. And um, all of those sites are places that you could actually promote your book. Great. I've and got and the, great, the great thing is they get thousands of people there. So... You know, those are the places that we women need to show up, and they're women that want to help other women. In fact, Sandra just became the, she's going to be the team leader for the um, uh, Houston, Texas area for the 100-year anniversary for Paula. I introduced them. And my other friends in D.C., Paula Constantino, that's another group place you could put your book at. She has www.women's with an E and an S on it, supportteam.com. And that's another place you could put your, and her, um, 
her, um, you'll see her picture and her website, her email up there because it's got some dashes and I don't remember where they go. But that's another site with thousands of people. And Madeline Lewis is, she and Madeline are doing the D.C., Virginia area. So, um, and, you know, each city has a team leader, but those are two women, uh, those are three women that I recommended because they're dynamite. Yeah, but, I mean, these are also heart women that would care about helping you as well. That's wonderful. You know, um, I love uh, women helping women, women supporting women. You know, it's uh, just uh, a big thing with me also. Yeah, because I think, you know, we come into, you know, we come into, like, for instance, when I read Fern's book, one of the things I immediately thought of is my friend Joanne Funch, who has, um, she's in Minnesota now, but she brings, she works with people who are going through grief because she herself, her husband fell off a ladder and was killed instantly. Oh. And he was young, and she then lost her father and mother in the next three weeks, so she went through a lot, so I thought, wow, she and Fern need to meet on that aspect because it took Fern two years to go through the grief that she had. It, she, she just, it was very devastating because they had a, they had a mar- uh, like a, a marriage that everybody wishes they could find. They they told each other every day. They loved each other. They knew each other 25 years and they were married 11. But it was like a, you know, the the kind of wedding and marriage that we all wish we had. And, you know, some find, the majority do not. And so, you know, I think that was why it was so hard for her to to come to terms that he was gone. She just, you know, everywhere she went, they were all, and they worked together and they they just did everything together. So, you know, suddenly it's like a part of you is gone. So she really, it was two years. And so what, what, you know, they always say, she said she remembered somebody told her that when you are angry or anything is going through your life, if you write a letter, it's easier to release it. So this is what she did. In a two-year period, she wrote letters to him. Yeah, journaling when, is a wonderful... Yeah, and the letters it. are absolutely fabulous, and they're part of, that's what the book is about, the letters yeah. she wrote. I, I have another uh, book that I'd like to suggest to your listeners uh, if they have a loss, and it's called Tear Soup. Like uh, crying tears, tears uh-huh. soup, uh, a recipe for healing after loss, and oh. it's it's a large hardbound book that's not very long, and it looks like it's a children's book, but it's not. And, okay, I'll, uh, let, I'll let Joanne know that because she actually deals with telling lots of people different things to use, and you know, um, I think that would be good for her to know. Who who wrote it? Uh, let's see. I can't pronounce the last name. Pat S C H W I E. Wait, S C H W I E D E R T. D E R T. Uh huh. Okay, I'll let her know that because that's nice. And, and you know, um, because everybody, you know, everybody has a loss, and sometimes people handle it better than others. So if they have something that they can. You know, relate to. I always say that when somebody dies, everybody's there in the beginning, but where are they five or six weeks later? That's yeah, and and are. also it's important to realize that everybody grieves differently, and um, grief really never completely ends. So don't expect somebody to, in a certain amount of time, you know, just all of a sudden feel better and move on. Um, they're they're grieving is a hard thing. 
Yeah, I'm sure. And and like I said, I always feel, you know, we can't tell anybody how to do it because unless we live it ourselves or even if we did live it ourselves, we would probably handle it different than someone else. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, I just think we need to be there to support them and do whatever we can but understand that they have to go through their own process. That's right. Um, I love lo- uh, the books that you have. They're all that can be bought at Borders or any of the bookstores or on Amazon or. Um, yep, all on Amazon. Uh, most all books can order it through their distributor, even if they don't have it on the shelf. And uh, you can go to my own website, and I have a tab there that says "Buy Buy My Books." Okay, my give website- them the web. Give them the website address. The website address is dr. That stands for doctor, and my last name s i n o r. So it's dr s i n o r. dot com. Okay. And how can they, if they wanted to email you, how can they email you? And there, my email is right on the uh, on the page when they go to your website. Uh huh. Doctorsigner. dot com. Mm hmm. Um, I have uh, a one little thing. Usually people ask me when I'm on a radio uh, interview for some sort of advice in in, uh, in helping people. And okay. I have this wonderful um, little parable written by Portia Nelson that I'd like to read. Okay, it's we'd love to hear it. Autobiography in Five Short Chapters. Let me find my glasses again here. There we go. Chapter 1. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk, and I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It's not my fault, and it takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I do not see it. I fall in again. I cannot believe I'm in the same place, but it's not my fault. It still takes me a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it. I still fall in. It's a habit. But my eyes are open, and I know where I am. It is my fault, and I get out quickly. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. So you can only imagine Chapter 5, I Walk Down a Different Street. <laughs> so I'd like to just say that if you have um, yourself or you have loved ones that are addicted to some sort of drugs or alcohol, we can't tell them to recover. We can't tell them to become sober and straight. But what we can do is possibly help guide them to that other street, and they have to take the first step. I love that. That's my little wise words. (laughs) I love that. That's really great, and it's so true. Why don't you, we're we're down to about 16 minutes, why don't you give them your website again and your email? Um, It's drsigner, D-R-S-I-N-O-R dot com, and the email is Barbara at drsigner.com, and uh, I'd love to hear from any of your listeners. 
I'd love it. That's great. So please take advantage. And uh, this was just absolutely very informative for me even. Um, I think I'm going to get that last book because I think that that would be great because I sometimes come in contact with parents or people who are going through things, and I would be able to have a copy to show them. So I will do that. Thank you. And um, and I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Um, it was wonderful, and thank you for saying yes when I asked you. Cool. I always like to have dynamic guests, and you are certainly one of those dynamic people. And so it was my honor to be able to have you and learn more about who you are and what you're doing and how you're changing the world. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you. And I wanted to let our guests know, um, my sh- the show is on once a month, the first Sunday of every month, and on the next in October, my guest is going to be Andrea Nirenberg. She's the author and communication consultant and the force behind the Nirenberg Group in New York, and she's been called a networking success story by the Wall Street Journal. She has 25 years as a leader in sales and marketing, and she is the author of three best-selling books. One is Nonstop Networking, How to Improve Your Life, Luck, and Career. And many companies are using it as a business development textbook, and it's one of the top sellers at Amazon. Her second book, Million Dollar Networking, The Sure Way to Find, Grow, and Keep Your Business, has become a textbook for her corporate training clients and has received worldwide media coverage, including Smart Money Magazine, The Toronto Sun, and BBC Radio in London. Her most recent book is Savvy Networking, 118 Fast and Effective Tips for Business Success. I had the opportunity to, and she's been on major, um, she's been featured in the New York Times, USA Today, the Wall Street Journal. Um, She's been in Fox News, the Wall Street Weekend News. So, um, and prior to starting her company, she was the publisher and sales director of Target Marketing Magazine, and um, she's worked for some of the companies that have been that she's worked with have been Macmillan, Macmillan Publications, Avon, Saks Fifth Avenue, and Ziff Davis. She's really a dynamic uh, person, and I'm sure we're going to be able to get some huge networking tips from her. Some of the other things I always like to leave you some, um, as I was telling um, Dr. Sonora about my friend Paula Fellingham, who is the CEO of the WIN www.thewinonline.com. She is pulling together uh, a big celebration to honor the 100-year anniversary of International Women's Day, which is going to be March 8, 2011. And she's going to be doing a celebration simultaneously in 10 cities across America. Uh, San Francisco is one. Los Angeles is another. Houston uh, D.C., um, I'm trying to remember, Atlanta, Chicago, um, Miami, uh, that's only eight. I've missed two, but I'm, oh, um, I don't, but if you go to the website, www.thewinonline.com, you, and you click on, you'll see the event. Also, she offers the opportunity for women who want to be radio hosts to become a radio host on the win free and there are 10 minute segments so you can record 
60 minutes and then that you've got six shows and they pull it all together and it, they're really great and she's really a fabulous woman. The other thing is, as many of you know, I'm also the NAFI Western and Mid-Atlantic Regional Coordinator and on May 20th and 21st, I'm doing a NAFI Western Regional Conference in um, Los, in San, uh, Orange County at the Atrium Hotel across from John Wayne Airport. And it will be a two-day event. The Friday night will be a big reception and fun and um, um, finger foods, cash bar. And Saturday will be the conference starts at check-in at 7.30. And uh, we have four keynote speakers. We'll have silent auction. We have vendors. We're going to have success team leaders that will have topics at their table. Um, and that event will end at 5. And then at 6.30, we have the chocolate extravaganza with all kinds of entertainment, fun, chocolate, uh, and food, um, finger food. So if you go to www.wrnafi.com, you can see all the information. It's going up every day. The keynotes are up. We're getting the team leaders up now. And uh, my, I don't know if my web person has all the entertainers. But we have some fabulous entertainers, and it's just going to be a fun. And one of the things I've done is I've tried to price it very affordable. If you register now for the conference for two days, it's only $129. If you want to be a vendor, it's $259. And then in December, the prices go up. The hotel, uh, we'll have a link up for the hotel rooms um, next week. Um, they've offered us a special rate of $89 for double occupancy and $99 for triple. And you will just click on that link and register rec with the hotel. But you can register online for the conference now. I just click on uh, attendance, and each one you'll see when you look at the website. You can click on entertainment, or you can click. But it's going to be fun, and um, we did a national NAFI conference here three years ago, and it was a blast, and this one is even going to be greater. So I hope that it's open to NAFI members and guests, so I hope that you'll join. Also, I do a blog about it's all about showing up, because that is my favorite thing. Uh, to me, showing up is like whether you're showing up on my radio show or you're showing up on a, on a, a social network or you're showing up face-to-face. -face. To me, showing up is like a treasure map. You never know what treasure you're going to find. Um, as you heard me talk about meeting this wonderful person, Fernfield Brooks, I showed up at Melanie Griffin's home uh, a week ago Saturday, and she happened to be there as, um, as did Shirley MacLaine and 40 other really dynamic women who, had I not shown up, I wouldn't have met them. Also, several months ago, a friend of mine was an MC at an event in Los Angeles, and I went to support him because he's going to be my DJ, and he always supports me. And But I went with, always go with intention of what you're trying to do. And I went with intention because there were also going to be some Hollywood people there that I needed to find a celebrity speaker. I wanted to also support him. But I also wanted to see who the vendors were and maybe find a few vendors that would be interested in being part of my conference. So, And when I came back, I had exactly done that. I met Terry Moore. She's going to be my celebrity speaker. She used to be married to uh, Howard Hughes. She's written a book, and she's fabulous. She's an excellent speaker, and I'm excited that she's going to be my celebrity speaker. I also found four women that have fabulous things to, that are going to be um, – 
vendors at my event. One of them has beautiful sequin gowns that are like $100. I mean, you, I have a Showmax gown that I paid over 500 for, so I thought that would be fun. And she has beautiful glitzy jewelry, and women love glitz. So, so what I'm saying to you, when you show up, always have an intention because you'll come away with, with that magic. You'll And be sure, the other thing that I'm really firm about is that the power's in the asking. You know, when you go to these, you go to your events that you go to, you always are doing your 30-second commercial. But you, you know, you've got to add one more thing, and that is, and how you can help me is. But before you can ask for it, you really need to, you know, do your roadmap. What is it you really need? I go to probably 50 events a month, and I hear people sell, stand up and say, I sell insurance, or I'm an author, or but they're not they're not concise enough to to say I you know I write this book that can help people with addiction and they can, like like Dr. Sonor was saying her, she was very clear about what her books can do so we need to do that about whatever it is we're doing because. If not, we're not getting our message across. People have no clue what you want and need. Um, I, I've started doing this in my networks, and it's amazing. Like uh, last month, one of the gals who is a, um, um, a paralegal said, I would like to meet um, attorneys doing certain things. And the minute she said that, four girls in the room raised their hand and said, I have some people to connect you to. So, you see, when you're very, very clear, then that makes the contacts even easier. Some other uh, people that you, I always like to leave you with tips of different places that you can connect, is if you're over 40, you might want to connect with Catlin Woman, and that email is www.catlinwoman, K-A-L-O-N, woman.com, and it's a fabulous site. Sandra Levinson is the CEO, and they have a monthly magazine, and they are always looking for articles. Um, also, um, Diva Toolbox, which is www.divatoolbox.com. You can submit articles there free. I mean, all of these places get thousands of people um, coming to their site. It's, it's, and also, the Win has a blog. You can do, if you have a blog, just take your same information and put it on other blogs because. The more places you are and you're showing up, the more people are going to see what it is you do and want. There's another website a friend of mine, Paula Constantino, has, which is Women's Support Team. She's out of Annapolis, Maryland, and her email is www.womenssupportteam.com. And then uh, also um, my friend um, Anne Marie in Pennsylvania, she has Victorious Woman. And I believe it's an A in the woman because it's talking about one person. It's www.victoriouswoman.com. And each month she picks a victorious woman. And then at the end of the year she reviews all the women that have been nominated each month and picks the victorious woman of the year. Um, women are really good about being helpers, but we're not really good about being ask, asking. And we're also not good about going after awards. But, you know, all of those, it's not about winning the awards. It's about it gives you more credibility when you've been honored. So, you know, wherever you are, look at the business journals because they always have a Women's Day event. And at those Women's Day events, they do awards. 
look at the YWCA in your areas. Um, most of the areas will do uh, women's, a women's event. In fact, my speaker this month um, that I have for my Marietta group, she actually was one of the winners last year for the YWCA. And my, one of my keynote speakers also was a winner. And I knew both of them, but I got to re- uh, meet them last year when they won because they invited all the pre-winners, of which I was one five years ago, to come and, and be there with, it was their 50th year, so they invited all women who had won in the 50-year period that were still living to show up. So that was good. Seroptimus, um, they're all over the country. They do women's awards, as well as NAFI every year. If you're a NAFI member, they also do women's awards. All of these are great places to get your name and get exposure. So, I mean, I can give you the contacts and I can tell you different things to do, but it's the same thing if you're going for counseling. You can you can find out what it is you want and need, but you have to take those steps to do it. So I hope to see some of you doing the radio shows. I hope to see your pictures on some of those sites. And I invite you also to connect with me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, E-Academy, you'll find me there, and I'm certainly there to support you. And I hope that you will tune in again next month. And again, Dr. Sonora, thank you so much for being with me. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. And until next month, call in again, and we'll be doing Diva Toolbox uh, Strategies for Success. And I'm with you here for your success. So have a wonderful weekend, and thank you again for being with us tonight. Bye now.